Hello and welcome to Create Conversation. I'm Tobias Lever. Each episode features a conversation with successful creative minds from all areas of the industry. We'll be discussing their experiences and their work. I hope their advice will help to both inspire and encourage you to take the leap and make a career from being creative. In this episode, I'll be talking to one of my favourite photographers, Jordan Curtis Hughes. Jordan, originally from the Midlands, began shooting bands aged just 13. Ever since then, he has continued to develop his unique style of music photography and portraiture. He has worked frequently with Enemy magazine, and since his cover shoot of British punk duo Slaves, he has gone on to work with some of the world's biggest names in music. ASAP Rocky, The Streets, Taylor Swift, and the list goes on forever. He has most recently come off a two-year world tour with the 1975, documenting everything from their Reading and Leeds headline sets to their collaboration with Greta Thunberg. I hope you enjoy. So thanks so much for coming on, Jordan. Sure, man. Thank you for having me. So I want to start by going back to Coles Hill. That's where you're oh, from. Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. Coles Hill near Birmingham. Yeah, come on. I won't say one. I'm also one. from near near Birmingham as well. Oh, you? Where are you from? I'm from Kings Heath. Come on. And I read that you you were going to shoot bands aged 13. Yeah, man. I start. I I went to my first. I went to my first gig when I was 11. Um, and then yeah, like very quickly from there, kind of started taking. I initially started taking point and shoot cameras, but then yeah, kind of progressed from there. But that that seems like a sort of. A mad age to sort of have that instinct to go and do that it's interesting isn't it it's um it's 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 a conversation that's always actually been quite frustrating for me because i i shot my first cover for a magazine when i was 21 and people were like oh <clears throat> you're so young like i can't believe you're like 21 and doing like these massive things which which is a, you know a fair um observation but me knowing that i've been doing it for like eight years up until that point, I was like, oh no, like I feel pretty ready. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like I'm at a point where, because you know, if you start at 18, which maybe most people do, and then for eight years from that point and you shoot your first couple when you're 26, that kind of, it seems a little bit more kind of viable. Um, yeah, so I started shooting really young and I never really enjoyed like academia. Um, to be honest, I wasn't like a bad student or anything. I was like a pretty like B, C grade student, um, kind of just went through school, didn't really have too much hassle. It was fine. Um, but I just knew that I always wanted to do photography. Um, I've only ever really had like two slash three interests ever. Well, <laughs> um, like I, I have more interest in that, but in terms of like what I concentrate on, it's like photography, politics and music. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of why I arrived at it. Do you, do you think when at that age of you know in your very early teens was it kind of like a conscious thing to pursue photography as a career yeah man yeah because I, I there wasn't anything that else that was kind of jumping out at me really I, I didn't I think it was almost a positive thing that I didn't know anybody that had ever done it so I didn't have anybody to be like it's really difficult, it's really shit for ages, it's really, you know, there wasn't anybody telling me all the bad stuff, uh, you know, like, the, the realities of, of doing it. Um, 
so yeah, man, I just kind of dived in at the deep end and it kind of felt like a way for me to be involved with music that wasn't necessarily being the musician because I, I truly despise being the centre of attention. Um, so photography felt like a really good mix for my personality and wanting to work in music. And um, a few years later, you then won an enemy prize yeah man that was it was a really cool thing that enemy did it was like um it was like a music photography awards and they had tons of different categories and stuff and i i entered like the like young persons one it was like 16 to 21 or something um and i come second actually um with a photo of tinchy strider like og grime boy who then went on to make some big pop music um yeah, they, they they invited me down to London to um, see the exhibition they put on of all the photos and stuff. I went down with me with my mum at the time, and um, yeah, like the the picture editor was there, and my mum was like like pushing, was like go and speak to the picture editor and just like do something because you're here, like you're in London, you know, you you know like being from King's Heath. Maybe you could disagree with me or you'll agree with me, but from my point of view, like, I always felt like London was the first step and then everything else followed after that. So it was like, get to London and then you can start properly. Um, so speaking to this picture editor was kind of the very, very, very first step of that kind of process. Um, so when I had a conversation with her and offered my services as like work experience for a week, um, and luckily she was like, yeah, man, like come down on this week and whatever month it was. Um, and she gave me a business card. And actually, since I've been back in my childhood home uh, during Corona, I um, I actually found the business card, which was very cool. So then it kind of just it, it went from there, man. I was very, very lucky to uh, get that work experience, which then kind of uh, snowballed. Yeah. And you've obviously gone on to you know, create a bunch of covers for Enemy and a lot of work with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was wondering, like, initially, what was it like to see your work used in, in that context of, you know, an iconic magazine? Uh, it, it, it's really difficult now when, when kids ask me what my route to where I am was because it doesn't exist anymore. And that's really sad um, because I... I could see the progression of my career through the kind of page size that my photos were getting in the enemy. So I started getting like quarter page kind of things for like 50 quid and then, you know, half a page and a full page and then four pages and so on and so on. So you kind of, you have a very kind of like tangible uh, view on how your career is progressing. Whereas if you're kind of just working digitally, it's really, really, really difficult to kind of tangibly feel like you know where you're going. So in that aspect, seeing my work physically kind of go get bigger <laughs> um, was was amazing, man. Um, I think uh, shooting the the Corbin cover in two thousand and fifth uh, two thousand and seventeen um, was one of the highlights of my career. Um, it's something I'll never ever ever forget because I I'm sure we'll get onto this later. But I ended up working with Jeremy uh, at some you know. On, on with for the Labour Party, um, so yeah, it, it was a beautiful feeling, man. Seeing the cover, I think, I think the first cover I had was Slaves. Uh, I, I must have bought like twenty five copies, 
it was crazy, man. I've still got loads upstairs, man. It's 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 amazing, man. And I, I it does make me sad that a lot of kids on the come up maybe won't have that feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess like that's that's one thing, you know. Over the last five years, there I guess there has been quite a shift in the main focus is maybe more like Instagram and stuff these days. Yeah, of course, man. What's that been like for you in terms of like, is like what clients are looking for slightly different or how does, how does that kind of change things for you? Yeah, I think the, I, I think this, the, the answer will, will change to completely dependent on who you speak to. Cause I know people that get paid 30 grand to do advertising campaigns and have got 3,000 followers on, on Instagram. And I know people with 200,000 followers on Instagram and can't make rent. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I think the industry is still built into like very much like relationship-based of like who you know, meeting up with people, seeing people face-to-face, all that kind of stuff. But it is changing and that will change more and more as the kind of social media generation does move into those kind of higher positions at advertising agencies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I got booked for my biggest ever advertising job. Uh, I'm talking kind of like the amount of people that would see it and the amount of money that I got paid was uh, through Instagram. (laughs) I got a DM from, uh, I think it was the producer of the shoot, uh, via my Instagram so it is interesting. It's a real, it's a real mix, man. Um, so yeah, I don't think there's like a right way or wrong way to do it. Really, I always say that social media is a tool rather than anything else. It's not, it doesn't define you. It's not, it's not the be all and end all, but it's definitely a tool that can help you. So to be aware of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I want to move on a bit more to your process. So like, imagine you're you're going into like an environment to meet an artist you've maybe not met before how how, how do you sort of approach that situation so i think to kind of walk it back slightly if i if i know the artists i'm shooting prior to i'd maybe do like a little google on like what their interests are see what they're into at the moment see what they're listening to at the moment like read a couple of interviews um like hopefully recent interviews um that's usually like a super good way of getting like on a level really quickly. You know, if they're like a big Arsenal fan or something, you just like, oh yeah, you know, you, you know what I'm getting at. It, it, it's really, it, that's like a super easy way to kind of meet them halfway and kind of bond with someone. Um, and then, yeah, man, I, I, a lot of advice I always give is just being like the nicest version of yourself. Uh, super warm, super kind you're there to make people's lives easier you're not there to make it more difficult i know that's the kind of environment that i hope most of my shoots are and hopefully assistants that i've used down the years would hopefully say the same thing um that it is generally a very kind of like nice relaxed vibe where everybody kind of feels um valued um and i think that kind of that whole uh kind of feeling of the environment definitely helps uh, with, with with photographing a new artist, if they feel like they're walking into a room that's A, confident, and B, valued, I think that's a really important um, process. Mm. And I think that definitely comes through in the images. You know, there is, like, sort of authenticity that kind of runs through a lot of your work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, again, like, everything I'm going to say is, is opinion. 
but I, I don't I don't see the point of doing photography if it's not going to be that because that because like what the, I don't really understand what I'd be doing it for if it wasn't exactly how I see it through my eyes in a genuine way I hate forcing stuff I don't it's not really my I, I understand like um, like mass, massive um, fashion photographers and stuff and I do respect that art form of, of of curating things that are kind of very much down to the T, but I do, I'll always enjoy kind of more uh, natural and um, authentic imagery over over anything. Yeah. From from your background in more sort of like, you know, music photography, and how, how did you find like the transition to then working with more like commercial clients? Uh, yeah, um, hmm, it's a really good question, man. I, th- I think it kind of comes back to what I said previously in terms of like if I've, I've said this a lot on, on other on other interviews and stuff where I think if you are super personable and you are super lovely and like that might that this is going to sound a bit shitty but that might not come supernatural to people and it's something that you might have to learn or whatever but you know thankfully that that kind of behavior is kind of natural to me anyway so I think that I think more than anything that kind of just crosses over and yo people some people just want to like do the shoot with zero stress go home get paid and watch tv with their wife or husband or kid or dog or whatever and like the last thing that you want is some dickhead on a shoot that thinks he's like Mr. Important just making everything more difficult. And I just think that kind of, that crosses over into like any industry that you work in though. Like it doesn't, that isn't just photography. Like if you're like, if you're a labourer or a roofer or working government or a nurse, like, yo, if you turn up and you're super nice, your life's going to be so much easier and people are going to go home so much happier. So I think in terms of the crossover there, I think that's it. It's a bit of a cop out, but like, that is it for me. Like I don't necessarily change how I talk to clients and stuff. Cause again, like from an authenticity point of view, I wouldn't be like, I'm not, I'm not wording emails different to how I speak to like the bands that I've known for a few years than, than like corporate clients. Cause like a lot of the time corporate clients are so soulless without any kind of creators that if they're going to be like, Oh, why aren't you speaking to me? Like fucking Siri then I'm not the right person for the job, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. So, yeah, I think that's it. Now, you've worked with, like, a ridiculous amount of artists. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any shoots that particularly stand out as being, like, memorable or crazy? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's, like, a common misconception that, that music is, like, this kind of, like, wild ride. And I'm, and I'm sure there is stories of this in modern culture but i i I don't drink and i don't smoke or whatever so i'm never like really part of it (laughs) it's not really like my vibe at all i like i I get involved and like i can have a great night out and stuff but in terms of like the crazy stories that people want to hear i don't have many to be honest with you i think um meeting meeting and shooting ASAP Rocky in London for the first time was really cool. Uh, that was a really good experience. Uh, he was, I think, five hours late. 
Um, but we got like really good shots and that was like a really nice experience because we just kind of, we just kind of clicked really quickly. Um, it, we were very, very quickly comfortable with each other talking about everything outside of the shoot. And then the, the photos kind of reflected that. Um, and then that relationship continued for a little bit where I did some little bits of work with him here and there. And, and being with Rocky, is always a bit a bit wacky <laughs> it's always a bit like yeah it's mm, it's fun Let, let's let's just put it out there it's fun working with rocky um i think one of the funnest nights i've ever had in my life was in kiev when i was on tour with uh, the 1975 and i think we, we we had a night off in kiev ukraine and um for some reason, we were in this like pretty bad hotel. It was like it, it was probably like really nice in like nineteen ninety eight. Do you know what I mean? But it hasn't really hadn't really been updated since that point. And there was a karaoke room upstairs, which was like themed like what I can only say like Moroccan. Do you know what I mean? It's like a white a white person's view of what like Northern Africa looks like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I've I've seen some of the images from this. That's so I've got it in my head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, because there's that photo, that super wide photo of Matty singing. Um. So yeah, we we that night was like very very funny, and like we like went back to Matty's room after singing karaoke for like must have been like three hours. And it was very funny because, like, like I said, like because I don't drink, I see everything very soberly. <laughs> soberly, a word, but everything's very stark. Uh, so it was, it was fucking hilarious. The photos that I've got that will probably never be shared are, are, are very, very funny indeed. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. Not sort of particularly drinking helps you to kind of still keep like a really good eye for interesting things that are going on. Yeah, I, I've. I've touched on this. I've touched on this before that I, from my point of view, as a photographer, I'm there to to capture the party rather than be the party. Um, and the not drinking thing definitely helps that kind of aspect of it because I think if you did, then you would naturally become the party. Do you know what I mean? Which is fine, man. Like you do, you man. I, I'm just doing what works for me. Um, and like I said, I still have loads of fun and I still get involved, but it, it definitely gives me a perspective of like, oh, this would be a great shot rather than being like, I'm having loads of fun. Do you know what I mean? I still have that kind of separation. For example, that photo of Matty and Kiev singing karaoke is probably one of my favorite photos I've ever taken. Uh, and it, yeah, just utter, utter lunacy. <laughs> and you've, you've obviously done a lot of touring with bands like the 1975 yeah. How how do you find that experience of like traveling around with a band or an artist mm -hmm. and sort of living living it with them? How how is that as an experience? Oh, mate, it, it's it's the best job in the world. It's uh, first and foremost, it is the best, most stupid thing in the world because I'm getting paid to travel the world with people that I like. Do you know what I mean? It it it, do, it doesn't get any better than that, and like. Initially, initially, it's more difficult when you're first starting out with touring events because you don't really know each other. So you don't know what you can say in front of each other and you don't know what you can do in front of each other. But like, yo, I'm like 18 months 
into like working with these boys like almost every fucking day and I everyone's so comfortable with obviously the boys are super comfortable with each other but like from my perspective I now feel like I can you know uh just fully be myself it is it is the best thing in the world man it's initially uh like earlier years of touring it's now like looking back on it uh, you kind of put a bit of a romantic glint on the whole thing and you're like oh yeah like traveling in a van with a hole in it and like you're going down the motorway and it's fucking freezing because the air's just like coming in through the door it's like fun to look back on now at the time not so fun uh, and you like drive for like 300 miles to Exeter and there's four people at the show uh, and then you go and stay at the sound guy's living room floor and you can't have a shower and yeah it's that aspect of touring is like <laughs> I guess you could call it just like a building you know like personality building um, and it is I, I'd never I'd never change it uh, but now now it's just absolute perfection because it, it, it it's it's comfortable everyone's amazing like once you kind of arrive at that end of touring the people on the tour are all the people that are best at their field so like the guitar techs are some of the best in the field the sound guys are the best you know best sound techs in the field the lighting guys are best lighting guy in the field so it's a, it's a, it's an incredible experience to be uh, surrounded by such kind of creative force at all times no matter who who you're speaking to yo like even i don't mean to say even but like the caterers their food is so fucking good like it's it's ruined restaurants for me man because like i go restaurants and pay 25 quid for a meal and it's not as good as the as the catering that i get on tour um yeah yeah to sign off that question it's it's the best job in the world i guess like Working like repeatedly with the same artist, it kind of, I guess, would make it maybe more exciting for you because you're at that level of comfort where you can kind of be maybe a bit more creative with what you do. Yeah, of course, man. And it's about, it kind of comes back to your point earlier in terms of like getting authenticity. I can't, I, I can look at a room now and decide whether it's either a really emotional moment that needs to be just that just needs to happen without it being documented or if it's an emotional moment that needs to be documented and I think you have to have the emotional intelligence to decide of the two because some things some things are super shit man. like if you, you when you're with people for 18 months you go through a lot together um, just as like people would generally in life you go through breakups you go through people dying you miss weddings you you know there's all these things that people kind of forget about that whilst you're away but you still have to deal with on tour um and these are moments that you have to be intelligent about uh whether to capture or not but yeah like you said knowing somebody and knowing what those boundaries are does allow you to make those decisions a lot more accurately um so there's i i've got really brilliant footage from uh dubai um, I don't know if you know what happened in Dubai with the boys. Um, where kind of, if anybody doesn't know, listen to this. Matty kissed a boy in the crowd, and obviously there's super uh, regressive kind of laws about homosexuality in 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 Dubai. Um, so there was like a massive hoo ha about it. Prior to this happening, 
to prior to going on stage, there was a massive conversation between the band uh, about whether to say something on stage. And there's this yeah really incredible footage that we'll see the light of day at some point um, about them basically telling, you know, just having the conversation of like, we need to say something, but like we're playing Reading in a week and you could go to jail and la 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 la. Um, so those moments are so important to capture, but like, but being aware that it is a very intense kind of conversation. Uh, but again, this kind of reiterates my point of, of not being the party and capturing uh, and being the fly on the wall and capturing the, the room. Are there any other kind of moments like that where you've you've known in the moment that what you're capturing is of like great significance or like quite an incredible moment? Uh, yeah, but then time always makes it more poignant. Do you know what I mean? Because I think even at like for example, when I went to Stockholm to document Matty recording with Greta. Thunberg to do the 1975 track um you obviously know that that's quite a moment you know that Greta Thunberg will be spoken about for a long time and she's a very important figure in the 21st century um so you you do automatically know you're walking into a moment whereas some things kind of become more and more and more depending on like world events uh, and stuff like that um yeah you you just have to you just have to try and not get wrapped up in it you just have to try and do your job first and foremost and then kind of go from and then kind of walk it back um but i do find myself shooting slightly different when i know it's a very kind of poignant moment like in dubai for example i took like a lot of crowd shots because it was just such a intense heavy kind of energy coming from the crowd that that was maybe for the first time in their life felt like they could be openly gay or openly bisexual or have a conversation with somebody in the room about uh you know feeling uh like yeah yeah etc etc um yeah i don't i don't know if that answers your question i've, I've forgot what i forgot what the question was <laughs> the photos you took of Greta and Matty, mm. I thought mm. were in- were interesting because, you know, through your career you've you've followed music obviously, but you've also had this kind of interest in politics and activism and that kind of thing, mm. Mm. and th- those images literally brought them yeah. together. <laughs> yeah, I never really looked at it like that before, but yeah, I, I guess you're right, man. Um, it is the combination. It, yo, Greta's like the fucking. I'm, I'm, I'm stealing what Matty said on previous interviews before, but Matty, sorry, Greta is the most punk girl, woman figure I've ever met. She just doesn't give a fuck, man. She's just like, she was wearing like an anti-fascist t-shirt when we were there. And she's just like, she just, she just doesn't give a fuck. She just says, she just says it how it is. And I don't mean that in like a, fucking Piers Morgan way like she says it in like a a really concise and beautiful way that makes people listen um very inspiring man very very inspiring now to kind of wrap up Mm. what what would you say to anyone maybe who isn't necessarily completely starting out but maybe somebody's been photographing bands for a 
a year or two and, and they kind of, they're thinking, how can I kind of move this on or what, what sort of advice would you give in that way? Yeah, it, it's, it's hard. Um, I think with the internet and social media, et cetera, et cetera, um, you can become a victim of, uh, if I'm not shooting Adele at Wembley Stadium, I am not successful, which is severely not the case. Do you know what I mean? Like it, I think it's really hard because there's such a there's such posturing on the internet that people feel like they have to be in certain positions by certain ages and all that kind of stuff. I think it can be really detrimental to um, to to your growth, really, as a photographer, man. Like photograph things that won't be shown you know photograph things that you enjoy man I think I think that's the biggest thing I'll ever say to anybody even if you're you know I'm not talking specifically about music but just find what you love and find what you want to um show the world and go from there man and then I think you're on to a winner because I think if you can show genuine interest and authenticity through your imagery and build a story through that whether that is music or politics or animal conservation or flowers or you know fucking whatever you're into i think that will put you up on 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 a, on a pedestal that a lot of people can't reach man because as as i said there's so much posturing that i think the authenticity can kind of sometimes get grinded away when people are like oh I wish I had 10,000 followers, so I'll do exactly what the person with 200,000 followers does. And I, I, I understand why people do it, but I, I don't think it kind of sets you apart. So I would always, I'd always say kind of try and build a story would kind of be the, the kind of takeaway quote from that. Because um, I think that is the most basic human, one of the most basic human things that we want to do is, is tell a story, man. Uh, whatever that looks like it might be your own own life it might be whatever because i i get a lot of um the the no the, the no gatekeeper sessions i've been doing I've, I've had people from like peru uh and india and stuff like that where they're like like there's not that much music going on like where i live and it's really hard and i was like and i was like yeah like i understand your position that's super difficult but you are in a unique position that you have this kind of fantastically uh um unique view of the world being from where you're from especially from such a kind of western um view of the world that is kind of pushed on a lot of people i think there's a really fantastic opportunity for you to um to show the world what your world looks like and to kind of minimize that down yo if you're from like durham or you're from like doncaster or you're from like fucking the arse end of nowhere in like the south southwest of england that's exactly the same kind of thing like what does your world look like and and how can you show that authentic uh authenticity to um people that live in london and have lived in london their whole lives and yeah i think that's it would you mind explaining a bit about the no gatekeeper project because it sounds very interesting yeah yeah man uh i <laughs> so during lockdown i think we're on about day 70 now i think for about 50 days i was like playing PlayStation, learning guitar, uh, doing loads of bits for myself, which was really fun and really nice. But then I kind of arrived at a point where I was like, I don't really know why I'm not giving back. Because uh, I, I, I now have a platform because of the people that I work with and the stuff that I've done. So 
I always feel like platforms should be used to help people without a platform. Uh, and that's kind of the whole um, the whole values behind No Gatekeeper, where essentially it doesn't matter where you are in your career and what you do, you can uh, get advice from people like myself and then guests that I have on. So, for example, um, I had Alexandra Westby, who was a Dells photographer, um, Matty Vogel, who was Billie Eilish, she's a photographer, uh, and we just chat super openly uh and we, we we ask we answer whatever question you have but you know kind of no matter how big or small or or how kind of logical or kind of philo- philosophical the question is we'll try and do our best to answer it uh the sessions are really small they're like uh, 10 to 12 people but we do record them uh, so they will then be published uh, so that you know, an infinite amount of people can can watch and listen to them. I haven't released any yet. I need to um, kind of edit them down and all that kind of stuff. But at, at some point, they will be released, and and anybody can sit in and listen to people that are working in the industry on a on a kind of on a level, uh, and you can get in with like zero money paid. Like there's no expenses involved. It's just about people uh, getting access to information that would otherwise be kind of quite hard to get really unless you're like at uni uh and you have like a guest lecturer and stuff like that but i think it's it's time to give back to um kids and and younger adults that uh, feel like they don't have the access to information because art over anything else should be accessible um to to anybody no matter what your financial situation looks like and no matter what your ethnicity looks like you have to art has to be accessible to everybody yeah i'll, I'll definitely be listening to that I look yeah, forward man. To it. yeah dude. well thank, thank you so much jordan it's been great to talk to you of course man thank you for having me it's much appreciated so that was episode three with jordan curtis hughes i hope you enjoyed that conversation you can find his work at jordancurtishughes.co.uk and on instagram at george hughes photo and also his no gatekeeper sessions that we mentioned at the end of the podcast i believe a few of them are available to watch now on youtube so i definitely recommend those and yeah thank you for supporting the podcast you can follow us on instagram at create underscore convo we've got some really exciting guests lined up so make sure you're subscribed and thank you again for listening